Welcome to Guerreras, a social and political podcast by Latina for Latinas. My name is Aurea and I am your host. Guerreras is a podcast for warrior women, for that woman that wakes up willing to fight for justicia, libertad, and igualdad. Such warriors are not found every day. But through this podcast, I hope to inspire you to awaken your inner guerrera and pursue justice for causes that mean something to you. Now, in today's episode, I will be talking about what is Super Tuesday, since that is tomorrow. The Democratic presidential candidates currently running in the 2020 election, because now we have two less candidates running. Pete Buttigieg and Tom Steyer are officially out after the South Carolina primaries. And, well, how can you get involved in today's political movement after Super Tuesday? I hope you enjoyed today's episode. This year's Democratic primary race has hardly impressed any of us as a model of candidate selection. You would think that after 2016, us, like political science junkies and people that work within the system would have understood that, you know what? The people don't want a cookie cutter politician. They actually want somebody that is willing to take the fight within the institution and that is not the typical, well, we need to be within the line and be moderate. No, you know, we are not looking for that today. Today's also Democratic candidates include billionaires and all white candidates. Excuse me, but most of the United States are not billionaires and they're not white, right? We still have Bernie, Biden, Warren, and Bloomberg. I cannot believe Bloomberg has even made it this far. But you know what's happening also is that a lot of our voters after 2016 are looking for moderate progressive candidates. I don't know about you, but moderate and progressive doesn't really go together because moderate is just wanting to stay in the middle and be civil and progressive is actually trying to change the status quo. So before I get into any of that, Let's first go into water primaries, right? Why is Super Tuesday such a huge deal? Why is Iowa, New Hampshire, South Carolina, why is there so much notoriety about these states? From a historical perspective, the story of presidential primaries has been about the rise of voter power and the quote unquote, falling clout of party insiders. Both parties still struggle with striking, you know, the right balance between those forces. The primary system is also fairly recent. For most of American history, party insiders decided who would run for president. So let's go a little bit deeper on that. For the first few decades after the ratification of the Constitution, which does not mean political parties, actually doesn't even mention political parties. The Constitution, none of that. It's not there. The presidential candidates were actually nominated by caucuses of each party in Congress back in the day. But you know, As things go, the system broke down in the 1820s, and in 1831, the Anti-Masonic Party held the first presidential nominating convention. The Democratic Republicans, I know, that was the thing, followed with their own convention that year. So between 1831 and I want to say 1970s, 1972, parties selected their candidates using national conventions of delegates chosen by state leaders. Don't worry, I'm going to explain what delegates are in a minute. So I'm giving you also all this historical background so you know that the election process is actually really a science. Although elected officials and party officials controlled the process for most of the time, and you know, still do, it wasn't immune to public pressure. 
from time to time, new groups could and did take over the party leadership. Now, Senator Barry Goldwater, co-opted of the Republican Party in the 1960s, is kind of a dramatic example.、Uh, but unless you were willing to invest the time to become a precinct chair, this is what happened, or a county chair of your party. If you don't know what that is, you should get involved in local politics.、Uh, you had no say in who its standard bearer would be, right? Who sets the agenda? Now, from the progressive era on, parties sometimes held primaries, but they were used largely to test the popular appeal of candidates. Later, still chosen by elite party leaders. Now. This insider-driven system. Some people say, you know, behind a curtain system and the smoked room. You know, all these other metaphors for this, actually broke down after such a horrific democratic convention in 1968. Now, a lot of anti-war protesting, right, during the 60s, Vietnam anti-war protesting,、uh, where you could say, in sense that the Democrats selected Hubert Humphrey. President Lyndon B. Johnson's vice president. So remember, LBJ was John F. Kennedy's vice president as well. And after he was assassinated, LBJ became president. Now, Hubert Humphrey again was chosen by the Democrats. Who knows why? And he actually didn't win a single primary at all. But he was still selected as a nominee. Now, throwing this kind of bone to the protesters, I was like, okay, just take this. The party formed a commission to study ways to improve the process. Right, so chaired by George McGovern, I'm giving you so much history. I know, but bear with me. And Donald Fraser, another rep from Minnesota, they recommended the party recommended a fresh set of rules that were partly implemented for the 1972 Democratic Convention, a fully in place in 1976. So it took about four solid years to get this together. The Republicans also decided to do the same, right? And remember how I told you we were going to talk about delegates? Well, this is probably the most significant change within primaries. Delegates are human beings, but delegates are awarded to candidates on the basis of primary votes, and those delegates are expected to vote for that candidate at the convention. So you're thinking, wait a minute. So who am I going to be voting for as a delegate in this convention? Well. Democrats tried to restore a form of party control in the 1980s by creating super delegates. I know this is already going bad, huh? So these super delegates were not bound by the primary outcomes, right? So by primary outcomes, we say who won in South Carolina、uh, this past weekend? It was Biden. So if you're a super delegate, you don't really have to vote for the person that won in that moment. Um, in Iowa, New Hampshire, it was Bernie. So as a delegate, again, you get the gist, right? You could choose outside, but they actually stepped back from that system after 2016, between the election of Bernie Sanders and Hillary Clinton, as a、um, as the nominee for the Democratic Party. Why? What happened? There were so many delegates that were not willing to vote if they weren't given a chance to vote for. Uh, Bernie Sanders, right? They were voting in states where Hillary had won, and honestly, it is the delegates'、um, right to be able to vote in their conscience. And so, after 2016, that is not a thing again. But let's get into more details. Today, the two national parties established the rules of the road, but they do not 
control the outcomes as the nomination of Donald Trump has demonstrated, right? So many people thought, oh my God, don't worry, Hillary's going to win. They kind of forgot the electoral college. So once Donald Trump started winning the primaries and the party leaders tried to stop them, you know, they couldn't. America's political parties have now kind of relinquished their role in choosing presidential candidates to a degree unheard of in major democracies. This is mostly because, if I'm being honest with you, democracies are not supposed to last for 400 years, right? There is a cycle of life within political structures. And the fact that some people are like, oh my God, America, the democracy. Is, is it really a democracy when we depend on, on capitalist and elitist ideals to keep other people below us? Mm. Maybe another podcast episode. So what's another thing I can talk to you about when it comes to Super Tuesday? A huge issue I have with the current primary competitions. Why the hell do we start with the whitest states? Listen, by now we know that the problem with the tradition of Iowa and New Hampshire kicking out the primary process is that neither state reflects the racial and ethnic diversity of either Democratic Party, right, or the country as a whole. So according to the census, right, the U.S. is 60% white, 13% black, 18% Latinx, and about 6% Asian American. Now, Iowa, if you remember, went first. By contrast, Iowa was 85% white, 4% black, 6% Latinx, and 3% Asian American. You want me to go and tell you what New Hampshire is? Yeah, New Hampshire is 90% white. From there, the contest only moved on to Nevada, 49% white. South Carolina, 63% white. But the tone of the competition is often set after the first couple of states. And by then, many candidates have already dropped out. So... One thing that Julian Castro, who was uh, running for president, mentioned is, why the hell are we starting with the whitest states if they're not representative of the whole United States? And that is so true, right? Starting in Iowa, New Hampshire actually debilitates the process. Why? Because it demands for the candidates to have millions of dollars in their pockets to be able to survive going from state to state, promoting their message. Why can't we start in a different state? Well, it's all about competition, right? Now, parties keep insisting to have states like Iowa and New Hampshire to start the primaries. And I'll tell you why. Tradition, again, right? And this is, this setup is so flawed. But first, I just keep thinking to myself, right? Would it be so bad to start in states that are diverse, after the actually you know who could make these decisions in the parties all right so the dnc rnc get it together y'all we just need to change this up but listen up this is also happening where most of the people who get polled in these states right you're wondering eh, maybe it's not going to change anything you know who are the people that usually answer the phone when they're getting uh surveyed white people um and this is not to say anything hey kudos to you all but social like social capital is so low in communities of color when it comes to survey data and maybe i'll have somebody to talk to us about survey data at one point the messages that the candidates are delivering in the states that they begin in right iowa new hampshire south carolina aren't actually inclusive they downplay the issues of importance to members of minority groups like police community relations gentrification education and access to affordable housing Candidates of color, 
right? Also may feel pushed to run intentionally de-racialized campaigns. But then why candidates have to talk about issues about the minority communities? But if a candidate of color talks too much about it, then they're seen as hyper-focused on the issue? Damn, we just never win, huh? Like, the first big deal about what Super Tuesday is now, right? At this point, you've heard me talk 10 minutes about the issues about starting with the primaries. But Super Tuesday, what's the big deal? Super Tuesday is the single day when most states hold contests to pick a presidential nominee. The most voters have a chance to go to the polls, and the most delegates will be allotted to the candidates. Tomorrow comes also at a particularly dramatic point in the race, since now Biden is surging in the polls to be the moderate candidate who can challenge Bernie Sanders. It is actually so unfortunate for me to see that voters want to be com- complacent to what is currently happening in the United States. They want a moderate candidate because they are uncomfortable with the challenge of changing what they see today. But hey, I'm here just to give you some information about why tomorrow is so important. A couple of things that you should know about tomorrow as well is that 14 states vote. California, Utah, Colorado, Oklahoma, Texas, Arkansas, Tennessee, Alaska, North Carolina, Virginia, Minnesota, Massachusetts, Vermont. And after Iowa, New Hampshire, South Carolina, Nevada have already participated. Oh, actually, American Samoa is also the only U.S. territory that gets to vote tomorrow. Um, fun fact, I guess you could say, but do those states usually have representation? Mm, no. You wouldn't have known that if I didn't tell you, huh? This is what I'm here for. Now, these 14 states will be awarding a total of like 1,357 delegates. To put something into perspective, you need 1,991 delegates to win the nomination. And you're wondering, wait, it's the delegate total, not the sheer number of votes that counts when figuring out who wins a party presidential nomination? Yes, You heard that right. It is not the sheer number of votes. It is actually the delegate total that counts on who is going to be on your ballot in November. Right? So you're wondering, how do people come up with a number of delegates allocated? Well, each state is allotted a certain number of delegates based on a formula of population and weight in the Democratic Party. The state's party then awards delegates to the candidates based on the votes they receive. The first candidate to get a majority of nearly 4,000 delegates wins the nomination. So you're like, wait, so there's a formula for this? Yes, there is a formula. I told you, politics is all a science. Highly emotional field, but also a very scientific field. Now, this is the one reality check that I got to give you in this episode about what it comes to Super Tuesday. Especially in this one, is that our voters are actually looking for a moderate candidate to challenge Bernie. I know of all things to talk to you about in it, in this, the fact is, while there is a long way to go to decide a nomination, what should be scaring you is that now that Steyer and Pete are out, voters are actually having a difficulty with the contention amongst Bernie, Warren, Biden, and Bloomberg. I know. Did you ever, did you ever think Mike Bloomberg was going to make it this far? I feel like even he didn't. Um, but hey, now that you're listening to this, I want you to take something in consideration when it comes to Super Tuesday, this quick historical episode about what it means to be involved in the primaries and what, involve, what it means to be involved tomorrow, is that go out and vote. 
listen, it's not, I'm not here to tell you that, you know, who, that you should be so hard on yourself, but I am trying to challenge you, if you're listening, that to think about the importance of being active for your community. Not for us, not to make me feel better, not to make your family feel better, but what does your community need and who is the candidate that can best give you the support, the resources, and the representation that it is needed today for the next four years for you and your community. If you are all about immigration issues or reproductive rights or access to affordable housing or access to education, look at the candidates and learn about them. Honestly, take your time and see who is the best nominee for you because you ain't got a lot of options. You got Elizabeth Warren, who is a democratic capitalist, as she likes to call herself. You got Bernie, who calls himself a socialist. And listen, also the fact that he calls that some of y'all do not understand what socialism is. Google it. It's not as bad as you think. Actually, he wants healthcare for you and for me. He wants for 26-year-olds to not die because they don't have access to insulin. Elizabeth Warren, she has her own campaign about what it means to be a woman in power, what it means to be a woman in politics, what it means to keep Wall Street in check. Biden is oatmeal. Oh, God, I can't even think about it. Mike Bloomberg, are you kidding me? It's a billionaire paying his own goddamn campaign. And people still forget about stop and frisk. Phew. I don't even know about that. But listening. If you're still kind of confused about what to do after this, there's only one advice I can give you. Get involved. After tomorrow, things are going to dramatically change for what it means to be the president of the United States and what it means to challenge Donald Trump. Whoever gets the nomination for the Democratic Party, and listen to me, if it's Biden or Bloomberg, I'm not going to hold it out against you because even I do not want to participate in that. But if it turns out to be Bernie, it turns out to be Elizabeth Warren, volunteer, canvas, phone bank, get out there and make sure that we can turn anything red to blue. And if people are not being represented the way that they should be, and even if you ask yourself, how do I want to be represented in today's politics? Challenge the status quo and make that happen. Find the resources or Reach out to some of us that know the resources and let us help you make that change because only with you is this possible. You got that? I know it was a lot of info thrown at your way, but I hope that you enjoyed today's episode, that you learned a little bit about what is the importance of Super Tuesday and that tomorrow you go out there and vote. And if you do, tag me, tag Guerreras, let us know how your experience was because we want to see all of you out there and engaged. All right, till next time.